Welcome to Pumpkin Spice Podcast, a podcast that tastes as good as it sounds. I'm Rob Schulte, and you'll hear from Graham Young later, but first I gotta tell you, I'm recording in a small telephone booth at Vice. I've been at Vice all month, producing a daily podcast about the cultural figure that is Drake. Do you think I'm joking? Anyway, suffice it to say, October has been very, very busy for both myself and Graham, but luckily, we still were able to Frankenstein together an episode this week. Albeit a little bit later, I recognize that. Today we're talking about Jason Goes to Hell, and I'll occasionally throw to Graham, like this. Jason Goes to Hell. Now, last episode I mentioned that I prefer Jason Takes Manhattan to Jason Goes to Hell, so that should let you know how much uh, I care about this film. It's not a slasher film at all. It's a possession film, and that's kind of the main uh, difference between this film and the rest of the franchise. New Line Cinema purchased uh, the Jason character from Paramount Pictures, uh, but they did not purchase the title Friday the 13th, and that's why this film is called Jason Goes to Hell. New Line Cinema had Adam Marcus direct this film. He was 23 years old at the time. And this was his first feature film. He definitely had a unique approach to the series and takes it in an interesting direction. The pre-credit sequence is probably my favorite aspect of this film. An FBI agent who's, I guess, supposed to be a teenager uh, lures Jason into a trap set by the FBI and the FBI blows him away quite literally. Jason is then taken to the morgue for an autopsy. And the autopsy scene never made any sense to me because um, usually when you want to do an autopsy, you're trying to discover the cause of death or the extent of a disease. Um, we know how Jason died. The FBI killed him. So there's really no need to do an autopsy. But an autopsy is performed regardless. And the mortician eats Jason's heart and that makes him possessed by Jason. We then learn from a creepy and weird bounty hunter character that if Jason possesses a relative, a family member, uh, then he will come back stronger and badder than ever before. Basically, the plot of the film is Jason trying to find these relatives and then possess them so he can come back in his full form. And that's kind of the gist of it. If you heard my crazy rant on the Fix-A-Flick podcast of what I thought a Friday the 13th series could have looked like, you'll notice that some of my ideas were used in Jason Goes to Hell. And I swear I didn't know that. And I stand by the fact that no matter how disjointed my idea may have been, it's still better than this film. And if you're looking for a slasher film, kind of what we've seen in the previous films that is not here, this is a totally different film. And a lot of it just doesn't make a lot of sense. There are a lot of plot holes. Why New Line Cinema would purchase... Uh, the character Jason only to kill him in the first movie they produced makes absolutely no sense to me unless they were just trying to hype a Freddy versus Jason film but that did not come out for another 10 years the easy answer to Graham's question is that New Line Cinema wanted to kill off their competition Freddy Krueger and the Nightmare on Elm Street films, no matter how corny they became, 
were still better than the Friday the 13th films, in my opinion. It's hard for me to even consider this part of the Friday the 13th canon, uh, just because it differs so much from the rest of the franchise. Um, I'm all for changing things up and being different and interesting, but this movie is different in all the wrong ways. Let's list just a few of the ways it's different. Jason's spirit can possess people. Those possessed people's reflections are now an image of Jason. There's a Voorhees house. The bounty hunter Duke has a history of chasing Jason. There's also this weird element to the film that uh, a relative of Jason has to stab Jason in the heart with this sort of a sword and sorcery dagger, which again is really far away from what we've seen in the previous films. And again, it just doesn't feel like a Jason movie. You may think that you've got Jason Goes to Hell locked down on its erratic story or the horrible character development, but then Jason Goes to Hell throws you a curveball like this. The Necronomicon from Evil Dead 1 and 2 is in this film, and I still am scratching my head why. Um, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think that New Line owns Evil Dead, so I don't even know how that that was possible. But anyway, um, if you do decide to watch this film, and, and God help you if you do, uh, be on a lookout for the Necro- Necronomicon because um, it is in the film for some reason. When Jason's finally taken out by the magic dagger, we see him getting dragged to hell, which gives us the fun but predictable ending of Freddy Krueger's glove, Pulling Jason's hockey mask down. Kane Hodder was the hand that grabbed uh, Jason's mask, so he's played both Jason and Freddy, uh, something that Robert England can't say. Kind of an interesting ending, I guess. I don't know. It, it feels kind of cheap. The whole movie kind of feels cheap to me. So what happened? Did New Line Cinema deliberately sabotage the character of Jason and the Friday the 13th franchise? To me, this seemed pretty deliberate, but maybe it was just neglect. New Line Cinema was just kind of like throwing darts at a wall, and whatever idea they came across, they just threw it into the film. And um, it shows. It's one that if you're wanting to watch all these films in the series, you could probably skip 9 and 10. Uh, We'll talk about 10 next week. Uh, Rob, take it away. Tune in next week when we watch Friday the 13th, the Next Generation, or Jason X, A New Hope. If you liked this format, let us know. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. It's really the best way to help us out. See you next week. <laughs>